Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. All right. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. I am burning with this message. How many were here last week? Now, I started a series. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to bring lots of healing. Now, I feel led to say this. Hear me. Second Corinthians is going to be on the screen, chapter 5, verse 18. Now, I'm going to give a brief review of last week, and then I'm going to do part two of a series that I'm calling Fixing the Fracture. Alyssa, you're back there. I love you. I miss you. Yay. She's uh, from Wisconsin anyway. Sorry. And my good friend Josh, Josh Exeter and Brenda, I just want to just say I love you. Give it up for Josh and Brenda. They're amazing. It's good to see you guys. Sorry. You'll get me later, right? <laughs> well, um, I started a, a series called Fixing the Fracture. Everybody say Fixing the Fracture. Now, this is very important because it's going to bring lots of healing. I want you to pay attention. Now, last week we talked about fixing the fracture is, has to do with uh, relational, uh, sorry, addressing relational conflicts or relational dynamics in our life. And when I mean relational dynamics, I am not only meaning romantic ones. I'm not excluding romantic ones because husbands and wives are key for relationships. But when I say uh, fixing the fracture, I'm talking about the breach, offense, distance, hurt, wound, wound that has occurred relationally in any point of your life or recently that you have not felt healed from. That could mean a relationship between you and your boss. It could be a relationship between you and your son, you and your daughter. It could be a relationship between you and your coworker, or you and a good friend that you used to be close, and now there has been conflict, relational conflict, and that has hurt you and wounded you. Or, in addition, it could be the relationship between you and your church or your leaders or your pastors or, or some church members. Come on, somebody. This has to be addressed because we need to be healed from these fractures. And so what we talked about last week is that God has given every single person in this room, not just a pastor, not just a leader, the ministry, everybody say ministry, of reconciliation. Now, you want to know what one of your ministry is? I could tell you without even prophesying it to you. Everyone in this room has a ministry to reconcile relationships. I only got two amens on that one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, before I read it, I want you to see, I want you, this is going to be review for the first five minutes. I shared to the church last week, it's kind of funny, but it's true. You know those Facebook posts that had like the year timeline and two-year timeline? I saw myself last year, and I had a lot more black hairs on my beard than I have here now. I have a lot more gray uh, uh, hair. And I say that jokingly, but in, the, in truth, I will tell you transparently, the number one not even close, guys, not even close. The number one um, component that has added more hurt, more stress in my life is not the finances of the church. It's not the structure of the church. It's not even uh, the, the flow of the church. It's been relational dynamics that have occurred that have caused wounds. Now, I'm transparent because I believe in order to get healed and, and for you to get healed, we need to stop, watch this, ignoring the elephants in the room when it comes to relational dynamics. Well, there's, there's elephants in the room in every one of your household that you and your spouse talk about privately and you don't address them with people and it's time to address them to get healed. Can I hear an amen? 
Now watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. This is going to bring healing, especially those of you who've had wounds even from churches. God is going to heal you. Now, all these things are from God. Please follow with me. We're going to have a good old-fashioned Bible study today, so follow along with me with your Bibles. Who has reconciled. Everybody say reconciled. Paul the Apostle uses the word reconciliation and reconciled four times. Four times. You think that there's an emphasis here. He says, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, us, the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling, third time, the world to himself. Here's a little thing that I didn't harp on last week, but I want you to underline this. Reconciling the world to himself. Watch this next line. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Oh, you better, I'm going to shout just now before you even get the revelation. The definition of reconciliation has to do with that next sentence. Reconciliation means you don't hold the harm that was caused to you by other people against that other person once you really seek reconciliation. Because God could have said, I forgive you, but I'm still holding on to what you did. He says, he's given us the, recon- the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world to himself. What does reconciling the world to himself mean? What does reconciliation mean to, for, for sinners before the cross and us? It means not imputing their trespasses to them. Watch. And has committed to us. Everybody say us. Everybody say us. The word of reconciliation. Now, for review, just for last week, because this is going to bring a lot of healing. In my private time, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that there's going to be a lot of healing for those of you who really want it. Okay? Because uh, anybody has ever had a fracture before, you will know it's not a break. But if you don't pay attention to the fracture, when there's pressure on that bone repeatedly, it could one day snap and cause a catastrophic, catastrophic injury that will cause a lot of pain. Why? Because a, 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 a fracture, the reason why it's not dealt with in a lot of uh, relational circles is because a fracture is microscopic that can't be seen. So watch this. You could have a fracture in your wrist and still be able to move your wrist. Hello? You could have a fracture in your arm or in your foot and still be walking. You'll be in, in some pain, but what, the more you continue to put pressure on that fracture without addressing it and immobilizing it so it can be healed, you're causing it more injury, and eventually it will snap. Relationally, is that way. There's a little rift. There's a little disagreement. There's a little conflict, and it's a, it's a little wound that we keep walking with, and we don't address it because we feel like if we address it, it's more hurtful to actually talk to the person that hurts you than to actually being healed. So last week, we talked about the Greek word of reconciliation. This is review for those of you who weren't here, and then I'm going to go forward with the, this because I believe it's going to be healing. Reconciliation, the Greek means, are you ready? You can write this down. It means to return to delightful favor with one another. Return. That's the Greek definition. When one, here's, here's another definition of it. When one ceases to be angry with another or ceases to be offended with another. Come on, I got one that's right. Amen. All right, there you go. I'm going to be looking. <laughs> now watch, watch. I'm not making this up. The Greek definition for the word reconciliation literally means in that scripture to, be, to stop being offended or cease to be hurt with one another. Now, in that Greek word of reconciliation, one of the root 
words, and the, one of the strongest concordance word that is hidden and tied into the word reconciliation is the word atonement. Now, say, say atonement. Now, I didn't even know this. I knew it, but my friend Randy was telling me that last week it was Rosh Hashanah and was it Yom Kippur? It was a 10-day period. You know what they did in the, ten day, the Jews did in those 10-day period? Reconcile with each other. They actually wrote names of everybody down in the Jewish customs that they had offense to, and they purposely forgave them and brought healing to them. I didn't even know. I started healing the fracture on, on a Rosh Hashanah where it was, I didn't, even, I didn't even have that plan, where it was actually an agenda from heaven. For thousands of years, the Jewish people were, in that 10-day period, it was, a, it was a period of repentance and repair, a, a period of reconciliation. Guess what, guys? God is speaking clearly. This is the agenda of heaven. He doesn't want you to keep walking with a fracture and pretend like everything is okay. And I talked about silent fractures. You could, you, not all fractures are loud and rude and noticeable. Can I hear an amen? Not all fractures with people are loud. Some of it are silent fractures, which is like the, the, the husband and wife still living in the same house, but they're not husband and wife anymore, but they just live in the same house. They, they, they live in separate bedrooms, or they, they hardly talk. There's no romance anymore. And you can live under the same house and have a silent fracture. You can have a best friend and that you still say hello to, but things are not the same. And they're silent. And so atonement actually means in the Webster Dictionary, you can look it up, in the Webster Dictionary, to repair or heal an offense. My goodness. So the word atonement is attached to reconciliation, and the word atonement means to heal an offense. Now, I want, we, last week, this is a review, we talked about some signs of a broken relationship that may be fractured. Now, again, I'm going to go fast so that just in case those who weren't here could at least know where we, we started. Number one, we, we looked at uh, last week some of the warning signs that a relationship is fractured. How do you know? Why is it important to, to, to pay attention to warning signs? Because we're so not used to paying attention to them. We just keep on walking. And so, so the first sign that we talked about that there's a fra- there, there may be a fracture in a relationship with a church, with a boss, with a friend, with a, a coworker, with a lover, with a sister or brother, number one is that they are more guarded and distant than usual. That was the first warning sign we talked about. In other words, we see that they, the, the, the relationship uh, or, the, or the communication that used to be kind of fruitful now is distance. Let me tell you something. When you start seeing distance from people, even in yourself, do not ignore the warning sign. There may be a fracture that you have to deal with. Hello. All right. Number two, the warning sign that we talked about last week is a second warning sign. And by the way, there's probably more. This, I didn't get this from a book. It was just something that, that I've studied in my own life, right? The second sign was there's the communication begins to be selfish and defensive. Come on, preach somebody. Whenever there's a silent fracture, here's how you know that there's a fracture. When somebody used to be close to you in any capacity and there's a slow uh, defensiveness and selfishness about your communication that used to not be there. In other words, when it gets to that level, when there's a fracture, if you start start noticing more of what have you done for me lately rather than how are you doing, then there's a problem. Can I hear an amen? When, if you're getting, let me, just, let me just pause and say this. If you're getting a little upset right now because you're focusing more on what are you doing for me, then there's something that has not been dealt with. Number three, the third warning sign. 
is we barely come into agreement on things anymore. In other words, what we used to come in agreement with, now we hardly ever come. That, that, when that happens, then there is a sign of a fracture. Are you, here? Are you with me so far? Are you with me? Now, I want you to think of any type of relationship, coworker, father, church, leadership, business, romance, whatever. If there used to be a little bit more agreement than there is now, and you're noticing that every time you get together or every time you talk, talk about an issue, there's constant disagreement, then there's been a fracture that you need to be aggressive in healing. And I'm going to say something right now, and I'm going to say it at the end of this message as well. Time does not heal everything. There's time, there's sometimes that time does heal something when it's applied with biblical truth. But if just time alone, if you had cancer and you just let time pass its way, cancer is going to eat you alive in time. Now, time will heal you, and it's necessary if you apply biblical principles during that time. Hello? During that time. In other words, you're intentional of seeking out restoration and reconciliation with that person for the, your heart's sake and for their heart's sake. Right? And then lastly, there's a, a warning sign is that we are resistant to certain types of affection where it used to be evident. In other words, there's a child or a friend that no longer receives affection from you, a hug from you. That means if you see that, if they're distanced, if they don't receive that affection that they used to receive, there's been a fracture. I want you to write this down before I go. I'm, I'm now going to, my, to the second part. Is, uh, I, I, we did a quote last week that I feel is very important. I want you guys to write it down because it's so important. How many at one point in your life have ever had a relational conflict with something or somebody? The rest of you, you need to come to the altar and repent for, for, for lying. Everyone in this room, I don't care who you are, has had some sort of conflict with boss, with family, with friends that you may not have not known how to, how to really do it. Write this down. Write this down. A relationship is wounded first long before a relationship is broken. A relationship is wounded first, first. Long before a relationship is broken. Now, if you have a relationship of any kind, friendship, romance, uh, church relationship, staff relationship, and it's wounded, there's still hope. And even there's more hope, there's hope in brokenness, but it takes a lot more effort when a relationship is broken versus then it's wounded. So watch this. What causes, are you ready for this? Here's how I'm going to tra uh, uh, transition to my, my, my points here. How does a relationship get broken? When the wound has not been addressed for a period of time. You know how marriages break? You know how relationships break? You know how church uh, relationships break? Is that when there's silence the whole time and there's wounds that we are not willing to address with each other. But if you want healing, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Can I hear an amen? Now, what, let's put the first slide up there. The first slide is the ministry of reconciliation is really about, and I want you to see this. I, I got this just the other day as I was studying. I never really saw this. The ministry of reconciliation is really about fulfilling the second commandment of Jesus. Now, think about this, guys. I want, I want you to hear me. Everybody, a lot of churches focus so much on the first commandment, which rightfully so, we need to focus on the first commandment, but we very rarely give attention to focusing on the second commandment. You know why? Because the first commandment is really beautiful. The second commandment is ugly. 
Why? What's the first commandment? The first commandment is about how we love God. A per- watch this, watch this, watch. A perfect, flawless, blameless God. It's pretty easy to love a God like that. Never did anything wrong. Totally perfect. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. And we hear preachers like myself do series on the first commandment, which is great. But I've never heard a preacher do a series on the second commandment. Oh, don't make me get down on this stage and drop the mic on you. What is the second commandment? Look at Mark chapter 12. Watch this. Look at Mark chapter 12. Are you ready for this? Oh, you got quiet. That means God is speaking to you. Because it's easy for Christians to love God with all your heart. Listen, listen, listen. It's impossible to claim that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength if you don't love people rightly. Well, Pastor George, uh, I don't think there's nothing wrong with me. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, uh, 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 how's your relationship with God? Well, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I just can't stand these people over here. So, so watch this. I want you to see something that I just found out. The, the, Jesus actually makes a statement, and he said the two greatest, greatest commandments that he could ever give is tied up to loving God well and loving people. But I'm going to give you a little revelation. He says the second one is like the first one. He doesn't say the second one, eh, that's just really far out there. Just don't worry about that one. That's just... Now, I want to propose to you, if Jesus is making a big deal and a big priority about fulfilling the first and second commandment, we need to make it a big deal. Look at what Mark chapter 12 says. Look at what it says there. Ready? It says, Jesus answered and said, the first of all commandments. Say first. All right. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Keep going. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first commandment. Everyone say amen. That's so easy to do. I love you, Lord. You're perfect. You never, you never get me wrong. You never fracture me. You never, you never kick me out. You're always there. Oh, hallelujah. And we park on commandment number one. Watch, watch, watch. And the second is what? Everybody shout with me. Is what? Wait, wait, I can't hear you. I'm slightly little, a slightly little, little, uh, have a problem. I'll let you say it louder. The second one is like the first one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh-oh. There is no other commandment greater than these. So watch. The Lord is actually establishing the second commandment when healing the fracture as a church as he empowers his people to have healthy relationships. You know what the second commandment is about? The second commandment is about loving people who are inconsistent, who are messed up, sloppy, rude. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That they're messed up, that they're unforgiving, that they're bitter, that they have an agenda, that they manipulated you. That's the second commandment. Because the second commandment is about loving people who are imperfect. The first commandment is about loving God who is perfect. So that's why the second commandment, I believe, does not get a lot of attention. The first commandment does. But I'm going to give you a little bit more revelation. If you're really, 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 really doing the first commandment, the second commandment should be easy too. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you will be convicted to treat people like Jesus treats them. 
Jesus calls these two commandments no other greater commandment than these. So think about this, church. No other greater commandment than loving God with all your heart and loving people well. You know what the, the Bible says in Ephesians when Paul the Apostle is breaking down roles of husband and wife? You know what he says about it? Are you ready for this? He says, husband loves your wives and what? Christ loves the church because, watch this, he says, as Christ loves the church and loves and nourishes it for no one hates his own flesh but loves and nourishes himself. So what Jesus is saying, what Paul the Apostle is saying is if you want to have right relationships with people, you have to learn how to treat them like God would treat them. Can I hear an amen? Look at the next slide. Look at the next slide. To understand, now this is what, this is what I believe is missing. Here's the ingredient. Are you ready? Are you getting something this morning? Now, everybody look at me. How, what is the how-to what is the how-to to get reconciliation? I'm going to give you some powerful truths right now. So take notes. Some of them are going to be on the notes. What's missing? To understand how to reconcile fractured relationships and fulfill the second commandment, I want you to underline these two words in your notes. We must understand the law of honor and humility. It got quiet up in here. We have to know the law of honor and humility. In other words, if you don't know how to treat people with honor, and if you're not intentional in being humble and humility, you will not be able to restore relationships the biblical way. I, and you know what I call this, and I, I, I contend this for my, le- my leadership team, and, and Harvest knows because I, I spoke this a little bit in Dominican Republic. You know what this is called? The Philippians 2 model. The New Testament model of honor and, watch this, humility, especially when it comes to relationships with other things, other organizations, other people, has to have humility, say humility, and honor. Out of all the Ten Commandments, the only, the only commandment that had a bonus to it was honor your father and your mother, that you shall live long on the earth. All the other ones were like, you shall not commit adultery, that's it. There's no, there's no, there's no discussion. There's no bonus for you. You, you, you shall not covet. You shall not, you know, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the only one that had this bonus is you're going to live long life when you honor. So what is honor and what is humility? So let's look at Philippians chapter 2 since you're looking at me all great. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 through 5 and NLT. It's going to be up there on the screen on the NLT. Are you ready? It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? So do you feel that you can answer yes to that, right? Okay. So remember, he's talking to a church here. So let's, let's pretend he's talking to RCC here, okay, right now. Then, then make me truly happy. This is Paul the Apostle. Can you imagine if, this, if, this, if Paul was speaking to RCC here? Then make me truly happy. Say truly happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together <laughs> with one mind and purpose. Now watch this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Paul was a gangster, I tell you. Be humble. Uh-oh. This is, this is the part that hurts right here. Thinking of others better than yourself. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest. That just lost half of the room right there. What do you mean? I can't look out for my own interest. I I have needs. I have things I got to do. I have things I have goals. It's about me. 
I want to be happy. I want to be prosperous. I wanna, who cares about they're bitter? Who cares if they're offended? I want my heart to be right. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others also. Take an interest of others also. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So basically what, Je- what this uh, Philippians 2 model of humility and honor when it comes to healing fractures in relationships means that you must learn how to place others above yourself if you really want to have true healing take place. Can I hear an Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wait to the end, but I am going to bring a balance to this because there are, are some situations that you do everything you can, and once you do, you have the liberty to walk away. And not, you don't have to be best friends with those, with those people, but as long as there's no bitterness and offense still in your heart. Can I hear an amen? So a, a couple of things. Thank you, guys. Amen, Corner. Thank you, Hallelujah, Corner. A couple points I put down for the Philippian 2 model. It's not going to be on your screen, so I just if, if, this, if this explodes in the inside of you, I heard John Bevere say something one time. I love my, he's one of my favorite teachers. John Bevere says, I don't write everything down that the preacher says, only what's explo- what explodes in my spirit, man. So if you hear something and it's like, oh, write that down because that's for you. Like if you, if you feel something is like exploding in your inner man, when I say something and when uh, uh, John or Christina and one of us say something, Write it down because that's a sign that God is trying to talk to you about that truth, all right? So a couple things about the Philippian 2 model, all right? If, who, who wants to heal broken relationships? Raise your hand. Who, who wants to get healed from church dynamics or church hurt? How many wants to get healed from relationships that have been fractured with you and your family? All right, Philippians 2 is your answer. You must have humility and you must learn the law of honor. Say honor. Now, unfortunately, because we're all humans, I have learned the good and the bad to this. I have learned, I have learned the, the incredible effects of honoring people. And when I didn't know that I wasn't honoring people, I also reaped that, that, that uh, dishonor as well, right? So you will reap what you sow when it comes to honor and humility. If you want to receive honor, you need to sow honor. By esteeming other people higher than yourself. So as we treat people, I wrote a couple things down. How we treat people is a reflection of our own lives, and sometimes it's a revelation of how much you claim you know Scripture. Amen. Thank you for, thank you for just being quiet. Amen. I'm going to say something really powerful here, and I'm speaking to myself. How we treat people is a reflection of how much you claim you know God, and it's a reflection about yourself. If you are constantly combative, if you're constantly short, if you're constantly angry, it's speaking volumes about yourself. And I heard someone say this to someone years ago, and I want you to hear this. This was not in my notes. This is not in my notes, but I feel led to say this. Some of us, if you don't heal that area of your life that is wounded, you're contaminating because you're angry and you haven't got that hurt uh, healed, I heard someone say to someone else years ago, he goes, if you keep this up, you're going to die alone. Listen to me. Listen to me. You don't want to have the reputation that nobody wants to be around you. The day that you expire, the day that you die, if you're leaving a legacy of hurt without trying to, if you're burning all the bridges, come on, somebody, and if you're not being intentional and humbling yourself to try to seek reconciliation, no one's going to come to your grave other than your, your, your very, very uh, close family. Why? Because we have 
this lifetime. I know that hurts, but it's the truth. And I don't want to be that person, and I know you don't want to be that person. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Number two, write this down. Humility takes intentionality. Say that with me. Humility takes intentionality. It, you have to be intentional, and here's, here's a cool thing about it. The, sometimes when you walk in humility, you have to throw away your feelings aside, or you're not going to walk in humility. Throw your feelings aside and be intentional to humble yourself. Those who know me really well know that there's times that I've been hurt by somebody, and I've humbled myself, even though everything in me is saying, no, you need to bless me now. And I humble myself, and I'm like, okay. I've told my leadership team, you could always win when you go the low road, the low road. Why? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Watch this. And he will exalt you in due time. I want to be exalted by God, not by man. And so Philippians 2, which is a culture of honor, write this down, means that you support other people's giftings. You support other people's talents. You support other people's dreams. You know how I could esteem others higher than myself? Not just by saying, I esteem you higher than myself. Praise God. God bless you. Bye. No, it's showing up to something that's meaningful to them. Supporting, seeing a gift in them and saying, man, you run with this because you have a gift for this. Supporting their gift. Supporting their dreams. Doesn't mean you have to be there every single time, but it does mean that you're supporting them in some sort of way. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Having a coach of honor. Okay, watch this, watch this. This, this, brought, this brought kind of a fear of the Lord in me. Please listen to me. Having a coach of honor with people. Philippians 2 model with people. We're talking about healing the fracture here, right? Of relationships of any kind. Means that you are constantly aware that your dealings with people affect the Lord's bride. Have you ever encountered a jealous husband? Have you ever encountered a, a, a jealous man? All right. The, the, the fury, the fury of a jealous man when someone's messing with their wife. Okay, no, 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 one, no one has ever had that. Have you seen movies about that? I don't know what crowd I'm talking to today. Have you ever seen a movie where, uh, where the husband felt disrespected because the, the, his bride was being disrespected? Come on, fellas, you know what I'm talking about. Don't let me come down here to you. You're in the supermarket and somebody say, and starts looking at something that your, your wife and says something. You're not going to be like, oh, that's so good. You're going to be like, excuse me, bro, that's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> I remember when my wife come to, come to, I'm not going to say what happened, but my wife came out one time, and, and, and she, went to a, she went to a supermarket, and I'm, I'm sitting in the car. You know, some guys, you know, we sit in the car while they shop. Glory to God. Cool AC. Come on, Lou, help me out. I see you, baby. I see you. Right? Here's a credit card. I have AC, right? And so, no lie, I saw in the rearview mirror, I'm like, yeah. And I look back, and my wife's like this. You know, she's just really nice. And this guy, like this, like this. I'm not, not. I'm just saying a visual because it's real. He's like this. And I'm like. Oh. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> and then my wife came back. I'm like, did you see what that guy just did to you? No, I don't know. He, what, did, what did he say to you? What did he say? He just said, you're beautiful. I said, did you say that you're married? 
<laughs> I did. I said, did you say you're married? Well, babe, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, it was just a passing by. I said, okay. What am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? She's my bride. Come on, somebody. When, when, when someone messes with my bride, you're messing with the husband. And we are the bride of Christ. And if we start dealing with people in a rude way, we're dealing with God's bride. That should deliver a healthy fear of the Lord when our dealings with people. Because it's not just about you getting right and you getting your point across. You're actually dealing with God's wife, his bride, the church. Watch this now. Watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. When we have a hurtful division among brothers and sisters in Christ, you're actually messing with the Lord's bride. So if I'm having a discord with somebody and I don't care about their feelings and they're a brother and sister in Christ, guess what I just did? I'm messing with the Lord's bride. That should give us a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, I'm going to be transparent. About nine months ago, the Lord started giving me this revelation. He says, son, when you deal with people, you're dealing with my bride. You're part of my bride too, but they're part of my bride too. Now, times when I've gotten hurt, yes, the Lord has felt my pain because I'm part of his bride too. But I'm telling you, a healthy fear of the Lord will come when we have a revelation that our actions directly affect God's bride. Woo. Don't mess with God's bride. This should give us a fear of the Lord to at least seek out reconciliation and not let it happen. A lot of people would rather that relationship stop because it hurts so much and never seek to deal with it. So what you're saying is, I'd rather have that relationship broken than to have that awkward conversation to seek reconciliation. We're not seeking best friends here. That's not what the Bible says. We're seeking reconciliation so that there's no bitterness or offense, but it has to be pursued. Pursue holiness and peace with all people. Without it, no one will see the Lord. The word pursue means you go after it. Come on, this is good. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today, except for my hallelujah corner over there. They're saying hallelujahs for me. We can't treat people fully right without humility and honor. Come on, say amen. That means if you're in a leadership position of any kind, we lead from a place of honor. We lead from a place of humility, loving people. I remember uh, I follow Casey Doss in, um, in the Instagram, and one of the things that he said, uh, well, he just started, a tr uh, tr he launched out, and you know, I don't, I'm not good at these, but there's like little Instagram says, ask a question or ask whatever, whatever. I'm not good at that. I don't even know how to do that. But there was one question that says, do you have any advice for people who are starting a church? And he says, make sure your people know that you love them well. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, and if you're a boss, if you're a leader of your organization, of your ministry, if you're a head, lead your people well. You say, Pastor George, I don't understand that. You know what the Bible says about children in Ephesians 6? And we, we always, we always, we always, um, we always like uh, harp on the youth, you better, you better do, you better obey your father and mother, which is true. But read the next verse. Fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's children. Obey your father and mother in the Lord. Oh, by the way, fathers, you're a little too hard. Don't provoke them to wrath. Oh, come on, I'm preaching good here now. If you're a leader, a father, a mother, an organization, don't use your authority to beat people down. 
Are you ready for this next one before I give you a story? A true reconciliation person, a person that's reconciling, is quick to admit something and is first to offer an apology. Listen, why, do, why, do, why does it take, why is that important? Because it takes humility to, to, to offer an apology. Hello? If you want to heal a fracture, you need to recognize, you know what, sometimes I need to say something. And even though what I said was right, the way that I said it was harmful, so I need to come together and say, forgive me. Forgive me. I said, forgive me. Can I hear an amen? You cannot have honor without humility. Look at Proverbs. I, I, I read this, and I was like, where has this been all my life? I've never seen this before. Say, you can't have honor without humility. You can't have humility and not have honor. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 33 in the NLT. I couldn't believe this. I, I read the Bible so many years, I never saw this. Fear the Lord, the, the, sorry, the fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, and humility precedes honor. Wow. Humility goes before honor. In other words, I'm humility, honor follows right after. So humility comes first, humbling yourself comes first, and then honor in the relationship comes after the humility. I'm, I'm teaching you something today. Now, there's a story. Last week I talked about Barnabas and Paul. Do you remember about that? Now, there's another story that I want to harp on today that proves that humility and honor will actually heal a broken and wounded and hostile relationship. Are you ready for this? We're going to turn in just a second. But there is a story by the name uh, in the Old Testament of this woman of God named Abigail and this fool named Nabal. Now, some of you have read this before. Uh, his name is Nabal, and he was a shrewd businessman. Again, he was, the Bible says he was a businessman. He was shrewd, and he was selfish. And he, he, and he was very combative and very impulsive. We got no people like that in the church. It's okay. And what happened, just giving you a backdrop, and then we're going to see this story. Watch this. How humility saved disaster. You want to save disaster in a relationship? I'm going to give you homework today. Be humble and honor people. Honor them, even if they hurt you. Watch. So the story is David had all these people, shepherds, that he was guarding at one time when he was out in the battle, running away from Saul. And so these shepherds were actually belonging to this guy, Nabal, whose actual word translates fool. <laughs> when, you, when we say, Julian, what up, fool? Now, he was a fool for real, right? He was a fool. So he came, and David, when he was in need, he's like, hey, he sent messages. Hey, I guarded your shepherds when I was in time of need. Now I'm running away from Saul. I need a little help. I know you're rich. The Bible says he was a rich man, this guy, Nabal. Can you give me just a little bit of, the, of provision on our way? You know what Nabal said? True story. Nabal said, who is David? Who's David? I'm not going to give my stuff to a bunch of renegades. There's renegades to a bunch of renegades and outlaws. I'm not going to give my provision to that. They came back. Oh, his men came back to David and said, David, he said, who's David? And David goes, oh, it's on now. He literally said, he goes, it's on. Get 400 men, get your swords, we're going to go there by night, we're going to kill all his family. You don't mess with David back in those days. David won every battle. He had the, he had the reputation, you don't mess, you know there's certain people that you just don't mess with those people. David was one of the dudes you do not mess with. He won every battle. And so 
he came back. He said, okay, in the morning time, we're going to go. And he got on his horse, and he was on his way to slaughter Nabal just because he didn't give him provision and his whole family. And guess what? He was going to win, and God was going to be on his side. Guess what happened? Oh, this is so good. Please hear this. Please get this. Nabal's wife, Abigail, heard from their own men say, hey, this dude, I'm a 2018 version. Your husband messed up big time. What do you mean? Well, while you were gone, their men came asked for something, and your husband said, who's David? No, and there's going to be trouble. <laughs> That's what he said. There's going to be trouble for you and your family unless you do something quick. You know what she did? She got on, she got on a, a donkey or a horse, and she started going to humble herself on behalf of her husband. She didn't even do anything wrong. And she met, she was going to meet him halfway with his army to seek humility and honor him. Now watch what happens because of humility and honor. Are you ready? Look at, look at, now, now it's a little bit lengthy. And then after that, uh, we're going to start coming this to a close. First Samuel 25, verse 20 is up there in the NLT. I'm going to go really quick. So you just, just know the story. Some of you have never heard this story before. As she was riding her donkey, so it was a donkey, into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming towards her. Now remember, David was not coming just to have a piece of cake and dinner. He was strapped. Even back then they were strapped. Glory to God. He didn't have to have a license. David, listen, listen. David had just been saying, he'd just been saying to his crew, Man, a lot of good it did to help this fellow out. See, we, think, we don't read these stories, but there's relational conflicts in the Bible all the time. Look, we, we protected his flock in the wilderness. This is David talking to his boys. And nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he repaid me evil for good. Don't you think that's a fracture in a relationship? Hello? Don't you see that a fracture? How many have been repaid wrong when you did good? May God, look at this humble, great man of God. May God strike me. And kill me if even one man in his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Dude, guys, he was truthful. I mean, David was ruthless. He's like, tomorrow, his whole family is going to be destroyed. This is the same David that God gave the Philistines over and, and killed him, all right? When Abigail saw David, say honor, say humility, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low. Everybody say low. That's humility. She didn't have to do that. Listen to that. As I, exactly. She fell at his feet and said, I, oh, look, I can't believe this. I accept all the blame in this matter. She didn't do anything wrong. You want to heal a fracture? Be biblical, not just spiritual. Stand in proxy for somebody and seek to heal that instead of getting your way and your answer until you get reconciliation. That's not going to happen. She goes, I accept all the blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. So watch what, he, watch what she says. She Keep going. She says, she fell at his feet and said, I accept all the blame. Keep going to the next, the next verse. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. She's talking about her own husband. Please don't pay any attention to him. Because <laughs> he's a fool. Man, you know you're messed up when your own wife's saying, yo, he's a fool, dog. He's, he's a fool, right? Just as his name suggests, but I never even saw the young man that you sent. Look at this. Keep going. Keep going until I say stop. 
Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and yourself, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. She's humbling herself. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please, here's the golden word in reconciliation. You need to say this. You, this, this needs to be in your vocabulary if you're going to seek reconciliation. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Listen, if I have offended you. Oh, my God, when's the last time we really did that in the church? Please forgive me. Now, she didn't even do anything, but she's going on behalf of her husband to try to save a relationship from going into destruction. I have, if I have offended you in any way, the Lord will surely reward you with a long-lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. I'm almost done with this story, but listen to me. Keep going. Even when you're chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure's pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like a shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and made you leader of Israel. Watch this. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. She's saying this to David. Don't let your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. She's pleading. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Now watch David. Now remember, he's going there with 400 men. That, that's a... <laughs> You have to, you have to, there has to be some powerful reconciliation to change someone's man's mind who already gathered 400 troops. David replied, praise the Lord, the God of Israel who watches has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder. The dude was about to murder. And from carrying out, you know what, let me pause there. You may not physically murder someone, but you murder people with your words. You murder people with your thoughts. You assassinate their character in your private time, and you've already got your horses lined up. And it takes somebody to say, wait a minute, I know you're right, but don't do this because the Lord is going to give you even a greater reward. She said, you stop me from committing murder. In other words, modern day, you stop me from, from gossiping. You stop me. Thank you. You stopped me from really having a bitter heart towards that person. Thank you for, caring, for, for me not carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Keep going. Almost done. For I swear by the Lord, this is David, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you, whew, if you had not hurried out to meet me and reconcile, that's what it was, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. That was reconciliation. That was restoration of a fracture. And Abigail humbled herself. When we finish this, I'll have the worship team come up here. Are you getting something today? Restoring a relationship usually involves a process of time. The wound occurred over a process of time, that, which means it requires time with biblical application so that, that trusted communication lines can be open again. Now, I want you to see, this is where the, the body of Christ is stuck on the first one. Are you ready? Prover uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Please hear me because I'm going to give you a clue of how to do it. Everybody say how. So have you been, be honest, have you been hurt by somebody else? Okay. Now, the Bible actually tells you how to do it and in what manner to do it. 
I'm going to tell you something. Some of us are doing it wrong. Jesus said, if, you, if someone has hurt you, you don't just sit there in your seat or you don't grumble about that situation and do nothing about it and get angry. This is what Jesus said. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, here's, watch this, go and tell him his fault. I want you to underline this. This is what the Lord highlighted to me. Between you and him alone. Whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The antidote and the recipe that Jesus gives to heal a fractured relationship is when someone hurts you, you're not to tell that business to everybody. Now, I am not saying that I have that 100% down packed. I don't think anybody does. But he said the first way you do it, before you, before you publicize it, before you publicize it on your whatever, social media or your app, whatever it is, before you, you, you vent, here's the antidote. He says you want to be healed before you say all the wrong that was done to you and all your communication lines. He says go to that person alone. Say alone. He says, between you and him alone. That's the first step. I, I, I'm going to give you homework today. If someone has hurt you or slighted you in any way, it's your responsibility to set up a meeting with them privately. Hello? I said privately. Now, many times the other person that hurt you probably doesn't know that they hurt you, but you still need to meet, set up that meeting because lack of communication will cause the seed of anger to grow in your heart. Not only that, what I said last week, some of you guys weren't here, is if we only hear one side of the story, you're only going to hear that side that benefits you. I've had people in my life that have talked about me and never heard my side of the story. Or have made a conclusion about me and never talked to me. So it's up to you that you need to make sure you talk to them. It says, between you and him alone, if he hears you have gained your brother. Now here's where it's going to get really good, right? But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two or more people that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everywhere be established. I want you to see something. This is so that you could get reconciliation, not so that you can have a license to gossip. Like, like two or three people. He's saying, if he doesn't hear you by yourself, I'm so committed to bringing healing to this relationship. Bring other people to bring that reconciliation together. A mediator. A, 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 a certain person there that will help mediate between you and that person so that you can have reconciliation and healing. Come on, guys. Aren't you tired of being hurt? Aren't you tired of being angry? Aren't you tired of walking in the flesh like that? But he refuses. If you've done everything you can and they refuse to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, I want to pause here because everyone misquotes that. It's not like, like tell, it, tell it in front of the congregation. Hey, guys, I have beef with this person and they didn't want to meet with me. <laughs> That's not what that's saying. It's saying tell it to the church, the group of believers, so they could help in the reconciliation process. If they don't want to hear even that, they're like, you know what, I don't care. I don't want reconciliation. I don't want. That's a sad thing. I want to say this. Some people, no matter how hard you try, they will not want reconciliation. And you have to be okay if you've done all the biblical steps to walk away. I want the worship team to come up here. He says, if they don't hear you, the church... Here's the freedom for you guys. Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Are you, ser- are you hearing me? So Jesus is giving you four ways to reconcile. He said, okay, if, you have beef, if you've been hurt by somebody, hear me, then it's your responsibility to pursue that person privately. Say privately. 
Now, I pray that I don't get 20 emails of wanting people to want to meet me privately after this message. <laughs> Pastor George, you just opened up. I've been having. But you know what? It, whoever it is, your father, your brother, your sister, please, please hear me from my heart. Don't just hear what other people are saying about the person without you first talking to the person. That's number one. Now, number two is where I'm going to close. Number two is where Jesus does not let you escape. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is when you're in the altar. Now, when I say altar, it's just figuratively speaking. When you're, I'm going to say it this way. When you're at church at RCC sitting in a blue chair standing up on this blue chair and you're looking up that screen or you're in a private moment with the Lord and tears are coming down your eyes and you are presenting the gift, watch this, of worship to the Lord and, and Bible study to the Lord and your heart is about to come alive but you still feel a wall. But there, everybody say there. See, we think we could escape because we've limited reconciliation to only when you are hurt. But the Bible doesn't let us escape. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you in the next two minutes. If you are worshiping God and by the Holy Spirit you say, you know what? I feel that I've, there, there's a distance between me and this person. And I feel that my actions some way have hurt this person. Do you know what the Bible says? It doesn't make sense in the natural. The Bible says that Jesus says... I don't want that gift right now. What do you mean? What do you mean I don't want that gift? I see your tears and I love that gift that you're giving to me. I love that worship. But I just reminded you because I know that I put it in you. I put it in your conscience that your actions have hurt other people. Oh, man, you ain't, you, I, I ain't getting any amen from my amen corner right now. You're worshiping and all of a sudden you, you hear this, you know. You had some points that were right. But you also wounded them too. Jesus doesn't allow you to escape and just say, well, unless they come to me. No, look at what he says. This is the last scripture. And now look at Proverbs, I mean Matthew 5, that last scripture that I, that I gave you, uh, uh, Zach. I want everyone to look at the screen. Therefore, I want everyone to look. Let the fear of the Lord hit you. Let the love of God hit you. If, you're, if you bring your gift, everybody say gift. Now, most theologians say that that scripture right there is not an actual present, okay? It's talking about your gift, watch this, at the altar in worship, in the time of study, of time of you give, presenting a talent or a worship to the Lord. He says, one, once you're doing service to the Lord, and there, remember, watch this, that your brother has something against you. This changes the game. Go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then, then, then come afterwards and offer your gift. Then come afterwards and offer your gift. Guys, hear me. I believe the Lord is highlighting this last part. Because some of you, you need to respond and set up a, a meeting privately with somebody that hurts you. You need to be proactive. But some of you... You're so focused on the wrong that was done to you that you're blind that your actions may have offended and hurt somebody else. And if you remember that your actions, if you, if, here's, it's not just anybody, it's for people that you were close to. You're not responsible for everybody in the world. But you are responsible for those that you have access to. That you once used to be close and you, and you remember, you remember that they have something against you. 
know what the Bible says? Leave your gift at the altar. Guys, I believe today prophetically we have to leave some gifts at the altar. We have to, we have to leave gifts and, and stop pretending that you could continue to go on with the things of the Lord with a vibrant heart knowing that other people and you that used to be good are not well. Now watch, here's, here's, here's a cool thing. If you've done everything in your power, then sometimes, somebody say sometimes. Say sometimes. One more time, sometimes. The healing comes when we realize that sometimes it's okay to move on to the next chapter of our lives without the, famili the familiar reality of that relationship that used to be close to you. Now that's hurt, but sometimes healing comes when you realize that that season for that person to be in your life is, is progressing. Not that they're bad or that you're bad. As long as you've done everything in your heart to heal that wound, it's okay to move on. I want you to stand up. You know, this is not a shouting message. But I'm going to prophesy to you something powerful. Are you ready? Please hear me. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, how long are you going to sit there and recognize that there's been a fracture and not do anything about it? How long are you going to continue to convince yourself time will heal? How long are you going to convince yourself saying, having these silent fractures and never once setting an appointment, never once seeking reconciliation, never once talking to the other person. You know, I teach identity a lot, and I, and I look at uh, uh, my friend Kevin because we teach a lot on identity. Let me tell you one thing that I will never do, though, even in teaching identity, I will not be afraid of the word repentance. I will not be afraid of that. Repentance has become a curse word in the millennial church. Repentance is not bad. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Read your scriptures. It's not the badness of the Lord. Now, if people are harping on sin, harping on repentance, I get that. That's wrong. But repentance is good when there's a fracture. Do you see what Abigail did? She didn't say, hey, I was right and you were wrong. She goes, please what? Forgive me. And she didn't do anything wrong. I believe today that God wants to heal fractures in marriages. He wants to heal fractures in relationships. Some of you have been wounded by churches and you felt like an orphan because you feel like you haven't belonged. And God is going to end that cycle today because we're going to do Matthew 18 and Matthew 5 at the same time today. We're going to do Matthew 18 which says if you have something today, we're going to let it go. And we're going to have homework that this week, we're going to follow up with those people. And even though they may not be your best friend, humble yourself and meet with them and for, ask for forgiveness and move on. And some of you, you need to do the Matthew 5, which means, man, my actions have hurt people. And I want to get that right before I offer my gift to the Lord. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. I want you to allow the Lord to minister to you right now. Come on. We're going to heal this fracture in church. We're going to heal this fracture in friendships. We're going to heal this fracture in between husband and wife, between, uh, between fathers and mothers, between sisters and brothers, between any type of leadership between any type of friendship or church or ministry or job or co-worker I want you right now with all of your heart I want you to close your eyes and say Lord 
Is there any area that I either need to forgive others or I need to go and set an appointment to, to talk and reconcile? Or is there, my actions have hurt someone and I have not said anything because I've been so hurt. I want to heal this fracture. Come on. Say, Lord, you are my healer. Today, the pattern of brokenness stops. Today, the pattern of fracture stops in the name of Jesus. Right now. Come on, let the Lord minister to you right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.